really inclusiveness. It's like when someone comes to a golf course, I don't care if they happen to be a young lady or a senior or they happen to be of ethnicity. What's the culture at that golf course? You might only have one or two times to welcome a golfer. So it's one thing where, especially a beginner, the starter, the marshal, the golf pro, you've got to really be so inclusive. You know, we have a great program that we partner with Golf Canada called Golf and School. So it's an amazing program. It's where you actually will sponsor a school. And what will happen is it's almost like a big hockey bag will show up with plastic clubs and rings and balls and targets. So we get these clubs in these schools and all of a sudden it's like a nine or 10 year old. They go home and say, mom, dad, I want to go to the drive range. I'm a golfer. I learned to golf today. And they go, oh, we've never really played golf, never been exposed to it. And we've got to make sure that's a link between getting them from the golf and schools program from their school to a drive range that welcomes them, that understands that these are fresh new golfers. And then there's got to be a link again to a golf course that welcomes them with open arms. But it has to be certain times where there are a lot of beginners here. We want to help them out and just have fun. Welcome to the Mod Golf Podcast, where we speak with the influencers, disruptors, entrepreneurs, and innovators who are shaping the future of golf. If you're a regular listener, welcome back. If you're new to the Mod Golf Podcast, Thanks for joining us. And if you like what you hear, please subscribe, rate, and review to the show on either iTunes or our show page at mod.golf so that you'll never miss the latest engaging story with my amazing guests. If you'd like to receive our monthly newsletter, please sign up to the Mod Golf Podcast website to receive the latest news relating to the innovative future of golf. I'm your host, Colin Weston, and today my guest is Kevin Thistle, who is the CEO of the Professional Golfers Association of Canada. Founded in 1911, the PGA of Canada is the oldest professional golf association in North America and is the second oldest PGA in the world. The PGA of Canada is a non-profit association comprising of 3,700 golf professionals across the country and has evolved to become one of the most innovative and respected in the world. All right. So with that, hey, Kevin, I want to welcome you to the Mod Golf Podcast. This has been a while since we've been trying to get you on. You've been so crazy busy. So thank you for taking the time and welcome. Hey, Colin, thank you. No, we've been talking for a while and I'm so glad you could fit me in. I'm, I'm really excited. So thanks so much. Yeah, and happy to have you here. So, Kevin, your your energy, i got to say, I've heard you speak. I've just seen you with a crowd. And it, you make me look like a complete slacker here, and, and I, I just love it. it. It's infectious with your energy, and I can already tell my voice I'm already speaking too fast because you just bring that out in me. So I'm going to slow down here, and we're going to start here. So please share with our listeners a little bit about yourself and also tell us about your first ever golf experience. Ah, a little bit about myself. Um, I've been a golf professional, I believe, going on my 35th season. And it's neat because uh, my first golf job and then my first pro job was a, at a small municipal course in Pickering, Ontario called Seton. Okay. And that was really my first actual real round. What happened was a friend across the street, his dad played golf. My dad didn't play much, maybe the odd tournament once a year and took me out golfing. So we went to a place called Seton Golf Club, which is now Pickering Golf Club. A lot of houses around it, nine holes now. But it's Seton Golf Club. So we're like 15, 16. We walk in. There's two beautiful girls working the counter, like young girls. And they happen to be my future boss's daughters. They're like, hey, yeah, you guys are juniors. You can play the whole year for $100. And we look at each other and go, we're in. I don't know where we're going to get $100 <laughs> from, but we're in. We got two pretty girls. The first thing we see about golf, I kind of like it. So my first experience, maybe I hit some balls. Maybe we hit it in the field. But my first real crack at golf was at Seton. I ended up working there for 14 years. So just a wonderful experience there. And I, that was my home growing up. So if I get this correct, you went there for the girls, but you stayed for the golf. Yes, exactly. Or a bit of both, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So yeah, bring us up to speed here. 
yeah, tell us about your professional life and how you got involved to the position you are now as CEO at the PGA of Canada. So after uh, Seton, I was 14 years there. I was I was lucky enough to be called by Angus Glen Golf Club, which is in Markham, Ontario. I was, I believe, 29, 30 at the time. I started in 1993. Uh-huh. We didn't open until 95, so as a young man, what an experience to be able to sort of help build a golf club, the marketing, just everything about it. And Angus Glenn, if no one knows too much about it, but we held two RBC Canadian Opens. We held CP Women's LPG event. We held a Skins game, and, and just fantastic. It was just one of those things where I was there 16 years, and that's really where I grew, I think, as a golf professional, going as a young person thinking you know everything. You look back and I knew nothing sort of thing. So after 16 years at, at Angus Glen, I went over to Copperwood Golf Club, which is a private facility. Being a public person all my life, it was sort of like I was sort of going to the other side of the world. So it was amazing that yeah. Copperwood Golf Club, Fazio Design, between Stolva and Exbridge in Ontario, was there six seasons. Then I went to the Toronto Hunt, which I, as a general manager, and I was a general manager always at Angus Glen, the general manager at Copperwood, then the general manager at the Toronto Hunt Club. Then Calvary came calling and, and I went for three years, which was really amazing. I, I didn't see myself ever leaving Ontario and I went to Calgary to build a golf course with the window group. Barry Ellert called me and they happened to have Phil Mickelson involved to be the designer. And, and I thought, you know what? be kind of neat to build maybe one more Angus Glen or be involved in, in a project like that. It's going to be a private club. It'll open slowly this year, but 100% next year. And, and wait to see this golf course. It is world-class. It's quite outstanding. And uh, you'll hear about it a lot as soon as it opens because it's, it's fantastic. And then the PGA Canada, the, the CEO job came available. And it was one of those things where it's about a year ago now. It was a year ago past November. And a little background. When I was in Ontario, I was always involved, be it PG of Ontario Assistance Committee, which I was president a couple of years, and then I was on the PG of Ontario board, and then on the national board, which means you're the, the Ontario representative. And then when I moved out to Alberta, I was uh, lucky enough to also be the Alberta national rep. So I knew the PG of Canada, I knew the staff, I knew the inner workings very well. So when Gary Bernard, my predecessor, who was also a friend, stepped down a year and a bit ago, it was one of those things where I loved being in Calgary. I loved what I'm doing, but that was my dream job, the job I sit in right now. And it, if I don't do it now, the person coming in, if I was lucky enough to get the job, I mean, but if the person coming in, if it wasn't me, maybe around for 10, 15 years, and who knows, I could be dead by then or I'll be out of the business by then. Right. So one of those things where the timing was great. Like I said, it was my dream job. I think there was 160, 170 applicants from, I heard like wow. 12 different, 13 different countries. It was, it's amazing though. The thing that blows me away is 12 or 13 different countries. Like where are they coming from? That was my, my one question. But, and I was lucky enough to land the job. And like I said, because I am a golf pro, I feel that I have a bit of a feeling of the industry. I feel that I respect all the golf pros across Canada. And I feel that I'm, I'm working very hard for them because I was a young assistant. I've been a, been a head pro. I've been a GM. So just exciting, really happy to be where I am today. Good stuff. So just with your passion for the game and how you want it to grow and progress, what you see as you manage to stand out from those other 160 or so applicants, what character traits or passion or alignment do you have with the mandate or the vision for the PGA of Canada? So perhaps tell our listeners a bit about that, really what the vision and the purpose and the core values of the PGA of Canada is and how that aligns with you personally. Instead of just reading off the website sort of thing, I would say that our vision and mandate is to support our 3,600 golf professionals across Canada in living a better life, which means help them with education, which we have. We'll talk about soon. We just launched a brand new education program also with earning a living. 
We're doing a lot of new employment initiatives. And I really think coming in, what my message was to, first of all, the headhunters and, and the selection committee was that I wanted to be very, very collaborative, meaning that I wanted to be collaborative with Golf Canada, which is our NSO, which is our, our national sport organization or national sport federation. Also the National Golf Course Owners Association, because, you know, really they are the people who are hiring a lot of golf pros. Yes. You've got the club links and the golf techs and the and you've also got the single golf course operators, but National Golf Course Owners Association, their members are really our employers. So Jeff Calder and I have been very good friends as Lawrence Applebaum, who's the CEO for Golf Canada. We've been friends forever. And I just wanted to be very collaborative. Also the Canadian Society of Club Managers, I know them very well. And also the Canadian Green Superintendent Association, which I actually just got back from. I was in Banff Tuesday because they're all great partners. And I think that's the one thing is that you know, the PGA Canada, we have to be relevant in the industry. We have to make sure that we're always fighting to make sure that our PGA of Canada professionals are employable by education, but also that they are getting good jobs and they are getting paid. And that's, I'm going to say 50 years ago, sure, the pro was the person you looked for and you still do. But it was just, you know, it's a different world we live in right now that we've got to work at being so relevant. I just want all of our professionals to be relevant across the country. And, and that's something we're working on with all the programs we've got in place. So I think it's really to support our members and that's through golf tournaments, but really employment is a huge focus for us and also our new training academy through education. Right. I do want you to, to dig into that in a few minutes for us here. And I have seen you in action as far as your ability to build partnerships and connect with people in a very authentic way. And some people call it hustle, but you do it in such a genuine way that it just makes things happen. And, and you talk about the collaboration there. And I've been in the, the golf industry for only five years now, so it was all new to me. But I learned very quickly, especially in the U.S., I'm not going to name any names here, but I was quite surprised that the organizations didn't necessarily play nice with each other. It's like they wanted all the toys in the sandbox and they were siloed. And I know that's changing now, but I can see that firsthand. You see those power and partnerships that, as they say, that if you want to go fast, go alone, but if you want to go far, go together. And I can certainly see you living that and demonstrating that with the work that you do. So once again, congratulations on, on that. That's how you do it. The golf industry, is it's one industry and we have a lot of competitors. So in November, the National Golf Course Owners Association, that's their national conference, I got to speak and Jeff Calderwood said, speak on whatever you want. And I, and I spoke about collaboration because I just think that we're better together. If we're all doing our own thing and it's like, oh, I'm worried about if they get a dollar from me or if a sponsor does that, really, we're all in this together. We need to grow the game. We need to make the game fun. Right. I believe I see a lot of collaboration on the international stage with the new rules the next year, the new handicap systems. It's been my mantra for sure because I just think that we can all help each other and therefore let's reach the golfer and let's work together to make sure that when someone comes out and plays golf, they enjoy it and they want to come back. Nice, nice. Well, our listeners on the podcast have heard me talk about Blue Ocean strategy, this business methodology, which is to create new value rather than compete against everything else that's out there and unlock new customers or non-customers. And in golf, with non-customers being something like Top Golf has done that and, yes. and others have also. So I, I love the fact you're talking about this, that you're not looking to compete, that a rising tide will lift all boats here. And you're certainly demonstrating that with the work that you're doing. So with that, I want, I want to ask you this, because with Blue Ocean strategy, they talk about a couple of things about how to progress and, and move, whether it's your business, your product, your organization forward to unlock new opportunities. And they talk about whatever you're doing right now, whatever industry space is eliminating some of the things that you're doing or that you compete on, reducing some of the others that maybe don't add a lot of value, 
raising the value of some others and then creating new values. So I just want to, I'm going to put you on the spot here, Kevin, where do you see with golf where it is in the future to progress and, and to really unlock new markets and connect with younger people, people that are, are traditionally not, have not been felt invited or welcome to golf that now we're connecting with? What do you see the things that golf needs to work on, maybe raise some of the better things and reduce some stuff and, and create some new values? So what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, thoughts on that, and, and you know, I talk to our, our industry partners many times. It's first of all, there's many. I, I probably have about four or five little thoughts, okay. and, I'll, and I'll just try to remember most of them. But I'll start with inclusiveness. Really, inclusiveness. It's like when someone comes to a golf course. I don't care if they happen to be a young lady or a senior, or they happen to be of ethnicity. What's the culture at that golf course? You might only have one or two times to welcome a golfer. So it's one thing where, especially a beginner, the starter, the marshal, the golf pro. You've got to really be so inclusive. You know, we have a great program that we partner with Golf Canon called Golf and School. Okay. So it's an amazing program. It's where people will, and PGF Canada, we do this, and so does Golf Canada and people across our nation, where you actually will sponsor a school. And what will happen is it's almost like a big hockey bag will show up with plastic clubs and rings and balls and targets. And you'll teach the person. So I live in Markham and just tells me there's a large Sri Lankan population and, and they're, they're very athletic. They're outgoing, wonderful people. And I said, these schools, so we get these clubs in these schools and all of a sudden it's like a nine or 10 year old. They go home and say, mom, dad, I want to go to the driving range. I'm a golfer. I learned to golf today. And they go, oh. We've never really played golf, never been exposed to it. And we've got to make sure that's a link between, and this is the next big step, is a link between getting them from the golf and schools program from their school to a driving range that welcomes them, that understands that these are fresh new golfers. And then there's got to be a link again to a golf course that welcomes them with open arms. You know, it doesn't have to be nine o'clock on a Saturday, but it has to be certain times where, hey, there are a lot of beginners here. We want to help them out. Just have fun. Because my little guys, like, well, they're getting a little bigger now, but my kids, if they ever say to me, hey, Kevin, hey, dad, I came home and I want to play, although my little guy calls me Kevin. My older guy calls me dad and hugs me. My younger guy, hey, Kev, you know. <laughs> nice. But they came and said, I want to take up tennis. I want to play cricket. Great. Listen, if you want it, we're doing it. Let's go out and I'll, I'll do it with you. So that's where I find that if we get the kids, and we've talked about this for 30 years, it's not new, but I think it's really the links we need. What's the next step? Get them involved, get a club in their hand, have some fun, and then get them to the driving range with their friends, their parents, their siblings, whatever. And then let's link that to a golf course where they can go maybe at night and play three holes or six holes or nine holes and really just introduce them. And, and I think that's one thing. But also, we always talk about women in golf, where I've heard it from friends of mine, where they enjoyed the game, but they just felt that they were rushed. They felt that they weren't wanted. And I'm like, wow, what are we doing as an industry? where my great friends and these people I admire are telling me they don't feel welcome. Right. Well, going back to Blue Ocean Strategy, like at our office, we have it on the wall. We try to innovate. That's all we care about. And we just think different. Day one, when I came in here, we put it on the wall. We showed a lot of those videos from like Apple and stuff, but think different. It's like, hey, just because we've done in the past, that means nothing. Today's a new day. We want to innovate. And then we're looking at all these things. We're looking at recruiting. We're looking at pilot projects. And the nice thing is the industry is also. So growing the grain, driving the grain. And unfortunately, it's been talked about for years and years, but we're finally doing something about it. Yeah. Getting back to one of the things you talked about there, you use the word linking to be able to, to onboard people in a comfortable way. And you're looking at it as an entrepreneur. It's like, what are the pain points? What are the barriers to entry? Where are the gaps? And I've used this analogy before. I snowboard and my family 
family skis. So I use it as the ski hill analogy that you imagine for a golfer, same as a skier, if you never put on a pair of skis or a snowboard before, it's like, okay, I'm going to take you up to Whistler, which is a world-class mountain. And no, we're going to breeze right by the bunny hill, the green run, forget it, that blue run over there. Nope. Black diamond. No, we're going to right up at the top, a double black diamond off the back of the glacier. And we're going to just jump in and let's go. That would never happen, of course, because think about the physical intimidation with that. And golf has that same issue with that 18 hole. You can imagine, as I'm sure you talk about this all the time, Kevin, that if you're on the first tee for the first time, if you've been invited out or you just show up and you've never really swung a club and you've got the driver in the hand, which as we all know is the hardest club of all to hit, you've got people standing around. It's a double black diamond mental experience and it's terrible. That's not a good user experience, a good customer experience. That's terrible. It is. And it's funny because even yourself and myself, we've been in that position. I've gone to certain golf clubs where I wasn't playing a lot or maybe I was whatever. And, you know, I, at least I played the game. Right. And all of a sudden the first tee is right beside the pro shop and there's 30 people watching the first tee. And I'm nervous and I top it or I hook it or I, whatever. <laughs> you know, something happens. But think about the, the beginner. They go there and go. I can't do this. All these people watching. And then, of course, when you, you don't hit it great, they're like, oh, I'm going to be behind you all day. It's just, you know, we've got to find a way, like you said, to link and make them feel comfortable and make them feel welcome. Yeah. And I've, especially in the, in the US, I've spoken to people like Michael Cooper, who heads up the Diversity Task Force. And one of the things, and it sounds like you're doing it too, you need to take the game to where the people are, even to be able to get people that are economically disadvantaged or even just culturally disconnected from the game of golf to actually physically get them to a golf course, first of all, a lot of their families don't even have vehicles to start with. So bringing the game to them, as you said, those little steps and that in-school program, I, I have to learn more about that. I know I've seen that on your website, so I will dig into that more. It sounds amazing. Yeah, and that's something we're really, really putting a push on with Golf Canada now. And actually the NGCOA also, which is another great partner. So it's one of those things where it's just good for the game. Like someone took me, like here I am 15, I can play golf. Someone took me to a golf course and here I am. I've been in the golf business ever since. It's been great for me. If it wasn't for my friend across the street and if I didn't go to a golf course, maybe I'd be golfing, maybe I wouldn't, but I know I wouldn't be in the golf business. So you've just got to get some golf clubs in these kids' hands and let them figure out that what they want to do. If they want to play tennis or they want to play hockey or play golf, at least give them a chance. Absolutely. And making it more social too. Right. And I, I know that with team play, that's really taken off for younger leagues too, because it can be a very isolating game. I grew up playing team sports from football, baseball, basketball, everything, hockey. It's what I did. And then it wasn't until later that I started playing individual sports. For me, it's still not necessarily the, the natural go-to for me because I love that social aspect of sports. So having that layer too of making it more team-oriented, I'm sure is, is resonating with younger people also. Do you find that? Absolutely. And, and, and that's the thing where the research will show you that the young person, they're golfing, they want to play with their friends. Why do you think, like you mentioned about 10 minutes ago, why do you think top golf is so successful? Because, hey, four of us, five of us, two of us, three of us, seven of us, let's go out. We're going to have some food. We're going to have a drink. It's almost like a nightclub but we're going to golf. And I call it golf. I mean, I call it golf because someone's out there and if they're hitting the golf ball and they're trying to keep scoring, they're trying to get that little ball into a certain area, they're playing golf. And it's amazing how once they brought the big social aspect into it, Top Golf has exploded. So we're hoping and, and we're seeing a bit of it that that person who really enjoys the Top Golf experience is taking that next step. Absolutely. And we've done some work with Top Golf in the past. So I know the numbers and of the over 10 million visitors they had in 2018 at their over 40 locations in the US, from the data they have from the surveys, 
almost 50% of their customers identify as non-golfers, meaning never picked up a club before to play less than two rounds a year. Amazing. So that's you know, that's what you want to do. That's, that's that ocean of non-golfers that you're trying to connect with and not competing, not trying to drag people off of traditional 18-hole golf courses. You're looking for another market to grow the game. Right. And exactly. And the thing is, I've been to Top Golf several times. It's like, so I'm a core golfer, but I enjoyed it. I loved it. But the great thing about Top Golf is, like you said, 50% of people have really either played once, twice a year or never played. And wow, they're exposing people to a sport. Absolutely. And one of the things I love about golf when I play, because I only play, seriously, I only play about seven, eight rounds a year. I was told about five years ago when I got into the golf industry, I figured I'm going to play all this golf, free rounds with awesome people. And this one individual told me, he said, uh, once you're in the golf industry, you'll give up your golf game. And uh, it's kind of true. But when I do play, I do love playing in scrambles because it has that team aspect. I don't have to worry about my two or three or four blow up holes that I have that wreck every single round I have. And it's just more fun. So in that way, with a scramble, and I intentionally did that to segue with Scramble here. And I'd love for you, Kevin, to tell us a bit about the RBC Scramble that you've had for a couple of years now. And I believe you're doing it again in 2019. I just love this program. So can you tell us a bit about that and your involvement with the RBC Scramble? Scramble's been around three years and RBC has been the sponsor for the last two. And the great thing is it's exploded. Okay. Good news is that RBC has just signed a three-year deal to continue on with the RBC PGA Scramble. The Lincoln Motor Company has just signed back on. Also, Glenlivet, Scotch, has just signed on to be a uh, supporting sponsor. And we're about to announce a golf sponsor also. So it's amazing the success of this for us. And last year, I believe we had 150 local events last year. And throughout the event, there was over 8,000 participants. First of all, you go to a local event. So you're at Saskatchewan Golf Club you're at, which is great. And, and all of a sudden, there might be 80, 90 people, and we're playing in a scramble, the four-person scramble. Your team wins or comes first or second. How amazing is that? So now we've won that, but now you go to the regionals. And the great thing about the regionals, you've got the PGA Canada Professional will join you now. Wow. And now you go to the regionals. And last year, the regionals were at like places like Bamp Springs Golf Club and uh, Coppinwood Golf Club. And so first of all, just to go to the regional is kind of a fun thing. You're playing with your club pro or a host pro. Right. And now there's a fivesome you're playing. And then, of course, the winners from there, the top, usually top one, two, three get to go to Cabot Links, which is the number one golf course in Canada. So these iconic locations, right? And the yeah. pro goes with you. Yeah. And you're down there. And this year, I think it's October 6th to 8th. You're down there for about three, four days. And it's a trip of a lifetime. Great accommodations. It's just the experience. But everyone loves it, even just at the local level. Like there's certain clubs that just do it so well and they all do it. And that 150, which was in 2018, that in essence doubled our size from 2017. And this year, we're looking at a big uptick and more golfers, you know, so it's been a huge success for us. I think it's been very good for RBC, Lincoln Motor Company. You can see that Glenn Livett's just come on board. And it's one of those things we're so excited about here because it's a new innovation. And it's almost like we're in partnership with Golf Canada, too, because the nice thing is you must have a handicap to play in this because this is a big event. Yes. So it's not just you and I show up and, and I, I, hey, Colin, I, I'm with you. I love playing scrambles. Mm -hmm. Some people don't want to hear that, but you and I. We go out, we're having fun. It, you know, usually when I'm playing scramble too, it's usually for a good cause or a charity. And I enjoy that aspect of the game also. But here you are, you're playing a scramble at either your home club, usually with your buddies. You can go to a public course, a private club. And then if you happen to come in first or second, then you get to go to these iconic clubs with your pro. And it just keeps getting better and better. And, and I think we're really on to something here that for years to come, just very, very healthy for the game. 
Yeah, I love it. So rather than wait to the end for this, can you let our listeners know, let everybody know how they can sign up with three of their buddies for the RBC Scramble? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, amazing. So uh, you can go to the website, RBC PGA Scramble. So, you know, RBC PGA Scramble.com. Right. And there's lots of great news about that, about the finals, about just everything you need. But also, you can call us at the, at the PGA Canada if you like. But the great thing is you, you first go there and, and what you'll do is you'll get, there'll, there'll be sites. Like let's say someone's in, uh, I don't know, they're in Alberta or they're in Quebec and they go, hmm, uh, I'm not a member of a club, but I like to play. Well, the sites are populating as we speak. So there'll be a map that they click onto. And the great thing about that is you just click on to say, I don't know, like Alberta. There's 23 spots you can play. That's only for right now or Quebec. There's 10 spots already and they're coming in daily because we've only opened it up really in the last couple of weeks to these spots. So you go on and you just say, okay, I've got my friends, I'll give you all the rules. It'll give you the locations you can play and, and go from there. Nice. So about two thirds of our listeners to the Mod Golf podcast are Americans. So can our American friends, if they want to, if they want to come across with their buddies as part of a vacation, can they participate or is it only open to Canadians? Well, you know what? I don't know about that. They, they would have to have a handicap card from Golf Canada. Right. So I can ask the question. So I'm assuming, and but it would be something great. You're right. Because there's all across a lot of border towns, right? Yeah. The big thing is because we have to make sure that everyone's playing by the same rules, that they just need a handicap card. Well, the great thing about Golf Canada, if you were to join Golf Canada, you get your handicap card. Plus, there's a lot of other things you get. But then they just have to post their scores and they would have a, a valid handicap. Because we just want to make sure that everyone's playing on the same rules. Of course. Okay. So with the finals at Cabot Link, so can you tell us last year's winner? What did they, those four golfers, that team, what did they win? So when they win, all sorts of prizes, you get the trophy, which is amazing. But the biggest thing is they get an all-expense paid trip to the RBC Canadian Open. Nice. So the year before we had the gentleman from Cordova Bay one. Here they are out in Victoria and they get flown into to Toronto. They get their hotels, they get tickets, they get behind the scenes. The great thing about this is it's not just, hi, here's four tickets come out on a Monday. They get the experience. They also get prizes at the awards banquet, but it's really more that final trip where they get to come together with their friends on a golf trip, watch the best players in the world, and get to see behind the scenes of the RBC Canadian Open. Gotcha, gotcha. So if I got the number correct, you mentioned it was about 8,000 participants you had with all at the very beginning across the country last 8, 000, year? 8,000, yeah, and this year will be even higher, yep. Gotcha. So what type of numbers do you have as far as the number of women? Are you finding right now, because so I've found this too with some of the events that we've done, like getting really good women to play, once again, they don't feel welcome or they feel intimidated and disconnected. Are, are you making efforts, being proactive to try to attract not only women, but also even younger players that have the handicap that they can participate in this event? Sure they can. And the great thing, a great question about the, the women is since the first year, we found that even some golf courses are having women-only qualifiers. Really? Which is quite amazing. And then even the first year I was involved, which was two years ago, we went down and there was a lot of teams that had couples participating. And we had one team the first year I was there, which was two years ago, which was uh, RBC's first year. And the team that I believe they came in second was a team of two young ladies, two men. And then this year we had one team that was three ladies and one man. It's exciting to see that there's so, so many qualifiers now where we get a lot of the mixed teams. And that's what we like. It's inclusive. It's even, uh, I remember one team in the Quebec zone, they had a lovely lady there who could hit it further than me. It was amazing. I'll give you one little quote. Bob Weeks is on the first tee. He's announcing everyone's names. And then, of course, they'll say there was two ladies and two men in the team. 
we walk up and the lady says, you guys are walking up with us? <laughs> of course, Bob's going to announce you. And she said, I can't even win my B or C flight net championship at my home club. And here I am in a national championship. This is something where they're really yeah. nervous in the first tee. This is a national championship. So it, it's, it's good for everyone. It's very inclusive. And you'll see even this year, a lot more women involved, even though it's been very healthy from the start but we have to continue to grow on that success. And you do have to make the effort to promote and, and celebrate and shine the spotlight on them. You probably know her, Sandy Cross, who's with the PGA of America. Absolutely, yep. And uh, when I had her on the podcast, her previous position as uh, leading up diversity and inclusion team there, and she said something very simple, that in order to be it, you have to see it. Meaning that once you see those other women out there, if you're thinking about that, it's like, I can be that person too. If they represent you and you identify with that person of wherever you are in your life, whether it's age, gender, sexual orientation, whatever it is, it's like, you know what, they've done it, I can do it too. And you need to, you need to hold those people up and celebrate them. And it sounds like you're doing a great job of that. Absolutely. And one last thing I want to add in about inclusiveness. So last year in Ontario, and I was lucky enough to be on the committee though, Paragolf Ontario, we had a charity event, we did an Angus Glen, and what our goal was, we had one PG of Canada professional, and then there was one paragolfer, there was some players from the national sledge hockey team, and then there was three amateurs. The great thing about that is it was an RBC, PGA Scramble qualifier, and one of those teams actually went on to the regional finals, because one team is going to win. And it was so exciting to see here where our team carry on. And this is what we're trying to spread across Canada is that a lot of qualifiers we can do with paragolfers. We can do with military people. We can do with Special Olympics. And the neat thing is you can almost go across the country and do one in each zone or, or in each province. And then out of that tournament, you're guaranteed that one of those teams is going to go to the regional. And it won't be long, and hopefully it's this year, that one of those teams will qualify for the national championship. And wouldn't it be great to have a special Olympian play in our national final or a pair of golfers? It's just so inclusive for everybody. So we're loving the inroads we're seeing there too. That's a great story. Thanks for sharing that one with us. Yeah, It's interesting. When I started the podcast of the people that I knew in the golf industry and the work that we're doing ourselves in the innovation side 60 episodes ago was really technology-enabled or immersive experiences or some combination thereof. And then I started meeting these amazing people that really were about diversity and inclusion and community building, starting with Steve Mona, who I know you also know. Yes, absolutely. Steve, love him. Yeah. And Steve just introduced me to this whole new world in introductions to these people. And what I've now found, I don't even use the word grow the game anymore. I, Kevin, I talk about evolving the game or transforming the game and the growth will just take care of itself when you actually do that, when you make other people feel welcome and invited as we talked about. And I I find now these stories of community building, those are the ones that are propelling the game forward by making it more accessible. And yeah, technology will always be there. And that's an important layer to that. But it's interesting where I started with the podcast and where things are now, it, it, there's been this transformation in my own mind about what really makes the game relevant and contemporary and inviting to people and, and the work that you're doing and others, everybody has to do it. It does take a village of that awareness and the work that you're doing with the PGA of Canada is completely on point with that. So keep going, keep going. We're trying. Yeah, it's great. Good stuff. So, Hey, I, I also want to ask you this, yep. as you know, Kevin, you listened to uh, more than a few episodes of the podcast that it is really about the future of the game and how do we get there? So I'd like to hear your thoughts of also with the work you're doing with the PGA of Canada. Where do you see yourself as an organization helping to progress the game besides the great things you're doing already? What other initiatives and innovative ideas are you looking to roll out in the future that could have some impact? 
Once again, great question. And, and for the listeners, you've never, funny because I'm thinking, oh, he's going to give me a tough question here because I didn't get them in, in advance. <laughs> but like, you and I can both go off the top of our head. But you know what's exciting is, so we have this new PG of Canada Training Academy, okay? There's a couple things about this. So a lot of research has gone into it. We use the National Golf Foundation. We've used the National Golf Course Owners. We have used pros, general managers, educators across Canada. Three years of research, a lot of money. And it is, some people don't like me using this, but it's world-class. Right. So what has happened is we've had PGAs from around the world inquire what we're doing. We've sat down with everybody, but they just want to learn. We all learn. But out of this has come that on March 28th and 29th, we're sending a contingent down to Brazil. So we've signed a deal with the PGA of Brazil where we are going to train all their golf professionals. So like you said, innovation, it takes a village. So it takes a globe actually, because we are going to be in Brazil teaching their golf professionals. They're going to use our education platform because a lot of our education platform is online. There's some things that have to be done in person. That's why we're going down. Yeah. But they can get an education online, which is amazing. Also, through the International Golf Federation, which is the federation that runs golf in the Olympics, they have targeted certain countries first where they're trying to grow the game. They're trying to bring the teachers in small countries up to global standards. And we've been asked several times, and we just had a young instructor in Tunisia about two weeks ago. So here's one of our PGA of Canada instructors, which a PGA of France instructor because it was Tunisia speaks French. So there we are on the global stage teaching the next generation of golf pros. So we hopefully enhance golf in their country. So that's one thing that we're seeing that now with our collaboration, which we've talked about before, and just our openness to share and to learn. We're actually on the global stage now. It's neat that the International Golf Federation would ask us to partake in a couple of their programs, and there's other ones coming up, but also that the PGA Brazil and more following would think enough of our situation, our organization, and our training academy that they're asking us to actually be the organization that actually leads their education. So exciting things, very innovative. And, and a year and a bit ago, I, I didn't see this being one of the outcomes, but it, it's a wonderful outcome if you just do the right thing. Yeah, I, I love the story. What you're doing with the training academy and the way you're taking that globally just shows that you're in it for the long term. You're not looking for that quick fix. In golf in the past, when we first got involved, even around 2012 or so, was looking for that quick hit is how do we connect with millennials? How do we grow the game? And it's a generational thing, the transition that you have to take more of a 20 or 25 year long term view on this and then compare the data rather than, well, what's the growth? How many more women and, and younger people are playing compared to last year? It's not fair. You're kind of beating yourself up if you do that. You have to look at that in more of a 5, 10, 15, almost 20 year view of comparing that to see where the growth and the trajectory and the transformation has taken place. But you're laying the foundation there and putting in the effort and allocating the resources to do that, which is fundamentally important. So yeah, keep going on that. That's yeah, great. And also we just announced last week that the PGA Canada Training Academy is presented by Titus and Footjoy now. The reason I mentioned that is I would like all of our sponsors because we have wonderful sponsors, but because Titus and Footjoy now, which is the Akushna company, right. one of their mandates now is education across the world. And I really like that. So it's one of those things where when we sat down with them about our new training academy, we did say that we have been collaborating with many, many countries across the globe. And that was their mandate too. So I think that we have a global approach. But of course, the reason the training academy was built, it was for our PGF Canada members. But then with sort of our vision of, of trying to help out other countries, that's also Titus and Footjoy's vision. So it, it was neat that we could align on this project. Right. And it's interesting. You look at countries like India with over a billion people there. I saw a documentary a little while ago talking about this urban golf that goes on within uh, the streets of Mumbai, which is incredible. 
incredible. Right. But even seeing there the opportunity to make golf accessible, not necessarily 18 hole golf, but as you talked about, even there unlocking even a small fraction of that market, the growth for the game there with the women they've talked about globally with the surveys that they've done of women that would consider soon to be golfers or would try the game. They call that a $35 billion business opportunity of those women of what that would generate there of just a fraction of them actually took the game on. So all kinds of opportunities globally to really transform and grow the game in that way. Amazing. Exactly. Yep. Good stuff. So, Hey, I know you're very busy. Don't want to take up more of your time here, Kevin. So before I do let you go, you talked about the RBC scramble. Is there anything else you want to share about what the PGF Canada is going to be doing in 2019 that you want to share with our listeners? Yeah, a lot of great things. We've got like our new Sven Elvin fund, which is one of those things where sometimes you have some members, they could be young members, older members, they might fall on hard time, be it that they become ill or maybe they lose their job because of some unforeseen circumstance or maybe something in their family has not wrong. So what we've done is we've started an oven fund this year where we've always had this member assistance program, but we're trying to grow that, that the members know that if they fall on tough times or something happens, it's one of those things that is unforeseen circumstance that we're here for them. So we're doing a lot of great things like that for our members. That's one thing I'm very excited about because it's not in isolation because we have some great insurance programs with our partners, which is amazing. We also have a member assistant program if you need to talk to a lawyer, a counselor, whatever. But also we have this development fund now where it's like with everything going on, if someone happened to have an addiction, be it a gambling or a drug addiction, but also maybe they're going through a divorce or they're going through a tough time at work with mental illness that's so prevalent. And it's one thing that we, we look at every day. And, and these are programs we're putting in place to help our members. So I think that's as exciting as anything I could say. We just launched a new website, our PG of Canada website. We've also offered this website to every zone across Canada for an essence free. Right. It'll be like an NHL.com. We'll have a website that is very consistent across just another way that we're trying to service our members better. So lots of great things happening. Great. And for our listeners, share the website URL for the PGA of Canada. Yeah, pgaofcanada.com. Nice and easy. Yeah. There you go. And as I always do, I will include all of those links and images in the show notes. So it's easy for our listeners to find all these great things that Kevin was talking about today. So, uh, hey, why don't I leave it at that? Kevin Thistle, CEO of the PGA of Canada. It's been great talking to you again. You are very giving of your time. You're very giving in other ways. Oh, I forgot to mention this as we finish up here. You literally give your shirt off of your back to some people. One thing I didn't mention, Kevin is probably one of the best dressed people I have ever met. Always has a sense of style. Not a wallflower at all, but in a great way. And I had a friend, you know him, I'm not going to name him, but he commented how much he loved your shirt. Uh And you guys are at a conference and you actually physically gave him your shirt on the spot, which I think is an amazing story that you literally give a guy your shirt off your back there. Yeah, and I find that I give a lot more uh, jackets away because people are more accepting of taking jackets off my back instead of my shirt. But our one good friend took my shirt because he loved the shirt. So listen, if someone likes it, I've worn it. I say to them, I'm sick of it. You take it. I don't need it anymore. I love that story. So that truly shows that you are a giving person and you collaborate. So, hey, Kevin, thanks again so much for taking the time to be on the Mod Golf Podcast. And I'm sure you and I are going to see each other in person very soon. So, hey, great to talk to you. We will. Colin, thanks. So that's a wrap for this episode of the Mod Golf Podcast. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Kevin Thistle, CEO of the PGA of Canada. I'd love to hear what you found interesting and useful in this episode. So please share your thoughts by emailing me at colin at modgolfpodcast.com and I promise to get back to you. If you'd like to learn more about the collaborative, innovative, and inclusive work Kevin and the PGA of Canada are spearheading, go to our episode show page where we've included links and photos to provide you with additional content. 
I'd like to extend my gratitude and thanks to our sponsor partners, British Columbia Golf and Nextlinks, for helping make the Mod Golf podcast happen. And I also want to send a big welcome to our new sponsor partner, Golf Genius Software, whose CEO Mike Zisman was my guest a few episodes ago. Without their support, I wouldn't be able to bring you these engaging stories from the golf industry's brightest innovators and influencers. Please join me next time when I speak with paraplegic athlete, golfer, and entrepreneur, Tanel Bolt, about the challenges she has faced and the opportunities she now embraces since her life-altering extreme sports injury four years ago. If you enjoyed this conversation about entrepreneurship in the golf industry, you can find more of our innovation stories on previous episodes at mod.golf or search Mod Golf Podcast on iTunes. And please rate, review, and subscribe to the show while you're there. I'm your host, Colin Weston. Thanks very much for joining me. Bye for now.